Welcome back to season one, episode six of Talking to Humans. I am your host, Katiana Strunk. My guests today are Mark Andrus and Vicki Demert. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Of Thanks course. so much for letting us be a part of this. Yeah, this is absolutely. a huge, huge um, privilege and we're just humbled. So yeah. Hey, I know you're super famous, big influencer in these parts. Yes. Uh, so when you're not hosting podcasts like this, what else do you do with all your time? Yeah, so I work for what we call the Central Operations of Redemption. So for those of you who don't know, there's 10 redemptions across Arizona, and I work for um, the kind of team that works for all 10 of them, and I handle kind of branding and communication that um, that runs through kind of all 10 of us. So we all have the same website. We all, we're usually all in the same sermon series, things like that. So I just kind of facilitate that. That sounds like a lot of work, a lot of multitasking and things that I would never want to do. So I'm glad that you are. Yes. You're in that role. It's a ton of fun. I get to do a lot of things that people kind of don't get to. Like I just get to work with a lot of different people from different congregations and Mm. the kind of things I'm processing and working on are just very, very unique to the job. So that's really fun, but probably a lot of behind the scenes work too. Yeah, Most people wouldn't even realize is happening. It's a lot of thinking, a lot of like, okay, how are we going to do this on such a massive scale? And one little change is actually requires a lot of just foresight and thinking. So yeah, the theme of this season, if you guys haven't, I don't know if you guys listen to my podcast a lot, but the theme of this season was, is discouraging encouragement, a phrase um, that was meant to be encouraging, but can leave us um, discouraged. In fact, today we're going to be talking about uh, faith over fear, which is a really interesting kind of thing. When we were talking about what we were going to talk about today, I made a joke about a Hobby Lobby sign. Cause I feel like that's just a very like faith over fear. Like people love. That's people a big sign. I've face. seen that on Hobby Lobby. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. fairly large. It is like the sign at Hobby Lobby. I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think when I think about this phrase, I think a lot about college, um, college, was just like a really intense time for me in general, but I think trying to choose a major and just feeling like, okay, whatever thing I choose, like that's the path I'm going to have to definitively go in. And I'm 17. So I, how do you make a choice like that? And I remember lots of people just kind of saying like, you don't have to be afraid. You, you just will trust in Jesus and that'll just be fine. And it just won't matter. And it was kind of like, okay, that's not helpful. Like, why, why wasn't it helpful? Um, I think because I was, I mean, part of me wants to just say like, fear is like a really normal thing and yeah. a natural thing. I don't know. Maybe you guys have some insight into the idea of fear because I think in the Bible we see we shouldn't fear because the Lord your God will be with you, but we also see fear of the Lord. So yeah. there's kind of lots of different ways that you can you can talk about and think about fear. Yeah. When I, when I hear that phrase, there's a, there's a biblical and theological current underneath it. I think a lot of it comes from, you know, you mentioned throughout scripture, there's the instruction, do not be afraid. I don't know if this is true or not. I've seen the memes like, Hey, do not be afraid. Shows up 365 times in the Bible, you know, one for each day of the year. I don't know if that's true. Um, but I've seen it quite a bit. But in Second Timothy 1, 7, uh, Paul writes that God has not uh, given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so there's a, there's a theological underpinning in this that, uh, that 
suggests that what ought to what ought to dominate our lives, what ought to be the driving motivation force behind our lives, the decisions that we make, what we do or don't do, is that we'd be driven by faith in the person, the character of God uh, and his promises to us, as opposed to the fear of looking at the possibilities, what might happen, what is this person going to think? And, and there is like, there's a biblical truth to that, uh, that I want to acknowledge and say like, that is fundamentally a true statement in a 30,000 foot view. Um, but as you, as you point out, Katiana, there are, there are things that are actually right to be afraid of fear of the Lord is talking about scripture, probably just as much as the commandment, do not be afraid, uh, to, to be afraid for the well being and, and be cautious and concerned about the well being of your children, your family. Um, you know, as a, as a pastor, there are things that I'm afraid about and concerned about for the congregation that, that are actually appropriate to be afraid of and to be aware of. Um, and so, so I, I bring that up just to go, there's a, there's a biblical undercurrent of this, uh, but too often when that phrase gets thrown out, well, just faith over fear, it tends to, to minimize and, and put shame and guilt on the person that's hearing that such that they're thinking, well, does that mean that if I'm afraid at all that I don't have any faith? Uh, and so Vicki, I know you've, you've had to think through this phrase. You've probably interacted in counseling with a lot of people who have even wrestled with how that the phrase has been used with them. I'm curious how you would, how you'd interact with that statement. Yeah, I agree with the kind of the underpinning or the, the underlying message of scripture. I'm even thinking of first John four eighteen where it says there is no fear in love, um, but perfect love dries out fear. And so there is this uh, relationship between faith and fear, but I think sometimes it gets pinned as either or. Right. And But we live in a world where there's scary things. And um, I even think about um, Psalm 56. It says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. So when I'm having this emotion, in the midst of this emotion, I can trust it. It doesn't mean that if I have this emotion, I'm not trusting. And I, I think that kind of feels like the, the assumption is, oh, if you're, you're, you're afraid that equals no faith or not trusting. Um, and simultaneously, there is um, growth and a trajectory of growing in our trust and faith in God. Yeah, I think more accurately, rather than just the pithy faith over fear, like that's the end of the conversation. Yeah. Well, there's nothing else I can tell you. You just need to have faith and you'll think and feel differently. That's not a helpful way to tender into a conversation. It's a great way to end a conversation poorly, uh, but rather almost kind of uh, taking and running with some of what Vicki said just a minute ago, rather than saying faith over fear to go faith through fear yeah. with the existence of this yeah. fear, whether it's legitimate or rational or not, which is not mine to determine anyway, what am I doing with that fear? Is it leading me to act in faith and cry out to God for help to engage with, you know, Christian community and say, pray for me, get insight, get input from other people. You know, you mentioned, Hey, what do I do with college career? Like getting input and wisdom from other folks. Is it leading me into community and relationship with other people? So it's just faith in, in the character of God and the purpose of the church is being demonstrated and put on display and made even more of through my fear. Uh, or is, or is my fear leading me inward and distancing from other people and saying, I have to figure this out. This is too overwhelming. Uh, and so, so that's like I said, when I think through that phrase, faith through fear actually seems to be probably more of what most of us would have in mind, but we just hear faith over fear and, and throw that out. And I think a lot of times, uh, that ends up doing lots of collateral unintended damage and, and discouragement to people. Yeah. And I think, 
when we think about fear, there's something that we love or value that's in play. Mm. And, so, and, and so think when somebody is sick, I'm thinking about um, in Philippians 2, uh, Paul was concerned for Epaphroditus, right? Like there's, there's genuine concern. And so something that we love is and care about, there's a risk or a danger to it. And so the call isn't to be not affected, um, but rather it shows us that this is important. Um, and now mm-hmm. what does, does turning to the Lord um, look like moving forward? Yeah, I love that. Well, I think too, like even in our culture right now, we're seeing fear and faith both mm-hmm. be used as kind of buzzwords and, yeah. and even like being fearful or not being fearful has become like a, a controversial kind of topic. And so I think it's interesting to think about faith and fear, not being a dichotomy, being two separate things, but how do they intertwine with each other? Well, with that part of the, part of what happens is we, we tend to particularly in, in the United States and then the quote unquote American Western culture, whatever we tend to think individualistically. So it's my faith. It's my fear. Mm. Um, and there's a reality to, yes, I am responsible for what I'm thinking and feeling. Um, but we were designed to exist in relationship and communion with other people. And so if I just think my faith, my fear, what am I going to do with it? Uh, then I'm, I'm costing myself the ability to be influenced and shaped and impacted by the other people that God has put in my life. And when you then examine all these, you know, all these things that are happening in society and culture, we all tend to then isolate ourselves, which then actually amplifies the fear mm. and amplifies the insecurity that's there and makes it that much harder to, to act out in faith, particularly because so much of acting in faith involves being around other people. Uh, so I was thinking of this, this passage in, in Isaiah two, Uh, verse three, it says, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord together to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. Um, And and so the idea of like, come, let us go up together. Paul says something similar in in Galatians six too, that we are called to bear one another's burdens. And so whatever, whatever the thing is that is feeding into you, that's causing fear to come to the surface, the, the answer is not push it down don't be afraid, don't feel that way, but say, what am I to do with this? And to have other people around in my life and say, hey, let's, let's go to the Lord together. Let's go up to the mountain, you know, that essentially means, hey, let's go worship God together. Let's pray. That, that is fleshing out, living out one another's burdens. And it's, it's in that context where I'm reminded I'm not alone in this. There's somebody that's walking with me in this, that the purpose is not necessarily to not be afraid, but to experience the, the comfort of the presence of God in the midst of that fear, which is actually the thing then that feeds into the increase in our faith. And I think it can unintentionally have the implication that, that we don't have faith. And so people can think, oh my gosh, like maybe I don't have faith. And then uh, the, the extent could be they're questioning, even if they're a believer, um, because, because they have fear when the reality is we live in a fallen, broken world. Um, and so then I can't be affected. Um, and what, Mark, you mentioned how many times fear is mentioned in scripture and this, this exhortation not to be afraid. And I think one thing that does is it shows that God knows that this is going to be our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he, he knows us so well that he's going to say, um, I, I am with you. I am near. I'll go before you, behind you, beside you. Um, and, and here's this invitation that, that I am with you. And so it's, it's not just don't be affected, but I'm with you in the way that you are affected. Yeah. When I love like this season, because I mean, I think pretty much every episode we've said, it's not that the phrase itself 
is wrong or is bad, but the way that it's used sometimes can just affect people Mm -hmm. negatively. And I love that because we're not just saying like, what's true. That's all we care about is like, what's true and what's not true. What we care about additionally is the way that we use that truth in engaging with others. And so I think that's part of this phrase too, is, is it true? I think it's good to talk about that, but also like when we use it and it dismisses people. And yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing when it was kind of said to me was like, I I mean, I still like trust in Jesus, but I also like I'm scared and I'm worried and I'm not sure what to do. Yeah. So they kind of started talking about this, this other thing, like, Oh, like trust God or faith over fear. When here's this other conversation that could have been had that helped because that actually didn't help you necessarily walk through the decision. It just said, don't be affected this way. And if you're affected this way, then that equals no faith when that, not what maybe was intended Right. But kind of functionally what happens. Sometimes instead of people saying dismissive stuff to me, I wish they'd just say, I don't want to talk to you about this. And I just prefer that. <laughs> well, isn't that just, like, I just don't want to talk to you. Right. Versus so, dismissing my concern. That's so interesting. Even that, like for you to say, I wish that people yeah. would actually just not talk to me or that you would say, you know, I, I don't want to talk to you about it. Like to, for people who say these kinds of things, again, the intention isn't bad. I mean, I've said yeah. stuff like that right. all over the yeah. place. That even hearing that ought to be a call to us to consider not just what am I saying, but, but what is it doing? Is it, is it having the impact on the hearer that I want it to have? And if it's not, I don't get to sit here and say, well, you heard it wrong. Well, that's not what I meant. I need to go, Hey, if my goal in this conversation in talking to other human beings is to build them up, to give grace to the hearer. And it's not, I need to be the one that reflects and considers what, what do I, how do I need to approach it differently? Vicki, you use the, the phrase even walking through the situation. Yeah. And that, that made me think of Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley yeah. of the shadow of death, you are with me. Mm-hmm. Not you're above the valley of the shadow of death mm-hmm. pulling me out, but you are with me in it. And even that just idea of walking through yeah. our, our language, if, if we want to be, have real encouragement, not unintentionally discouraging encouragement. It starts with, am I walking with you in this? Am I, am I imitating the character of God who walks with us in these trials? Uh, as opposed to me being at the end of it, just saying, come on, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You'll make it, which we want to be encouraging when we say stuff like that. But, but it's again, robbing the person, the experience of the community of the people of God with them walking through that valley. Love. I love that. And I think it's a good call to like, slow down and to see Mm. people like I just think we are walking so quickly that we that's why we can sometimes accidentally be dismissive um because of the fast-paced culture all right well I'm getting a word from our producer that he needs to freshen up his red hair color so he's busy and needs to uh end this podcast so thanks so much for joining us today it's been a real pleasure and uh, this has been talking to humans with your host katiana strunk